Hi, and welcome once again to What's the Damage, companion show to the incredibly well-known and popular real play D&D show, Roll for Damage. We've awoken from our holiday food comas and we're ready to rock and roll. On Friday, our heroes got back into the swing of things by fighting some lions and bears in the mountains, oh my. Um, and also avoiding some fights with big birds, giant rocks, rock things, giant bird things, giants, the normal type, and also uh, rock slides. Oh my. <laughs> Valtaim was pretty clutch. Several people had a few heart to hearts. Uh, Quinn practiced his meditation, and the party finally nabbed enough meat to repay their debt. Questions still remain, though, as we leave the Shields of Twilight, and the path forward for two characters in particular remains a bit shadowed, a bit mysterious. And there's also still the whole issue of the world ending and stuff, you know. We'll be talking about all of that right now, and then we'll be having a little roundtable discussion about Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. It's not every day we get a new rule book, and we're all super excited to talk about this. As always, stick around after the stream so for um, links and resources. I'm your host, Truth Benson, and this is What's the Damage? So joining me today, we have Chad, who plays Quinn on Fridays. We have Khalil, who plays the wonderful Baltaim. And we have, once again, Serenity, who's our favorite DM. Hi, everybody. Thank you for coming on. So Hunt, part two. What's the damage this time around? I mean, we were successful in a thing. So that's like kind of huge. Yeah. <laughs> we set out to do a thing. And then did that thing, not other things, the thing that we wanted to do. It's like a first. Yeah, that's how uh, planning works. Yeah, achievement unlocked. <laughs> awesome. Okay, yeah. So you guys had a pretty successful hunt. Mm. Uh, you wandered around the mountains for a while and uh, did some stuff. And Balsaim in particular was quite clutch on the mountain. Uh, you managed to first uh, save your friend's butts from a rock slide. 
and then you sweet talk some giants. Uh, it's my understanding that Beltayim's a bit of a city slicker himself, but he seems to be adapting rather well to nature. Thoughts on this, Khalil? I mean, he's a he's a city slicker, I guess. At like like by like where he grows up, I feel like as a person, he's like just like a, a normal like average Joe guy. So it's like he understands like like he's not like 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 Dobby is like a very like very much like a city like a New Yorker. Like, like he's like, oh, I'm like, I'm like, boom, boom, boom. Let's get things out of the way. Like, all teams, I guess he's a little bit more um, personable. Just he's like he's from like, Chicago or something. Yeah, yeah rural Pennsylvania like, or something. Right, yeah. <laughs> he's he's like one of those people. He's like, I'm from New York, but he's not. He's like actually like outside of New York City. He's like, he's, I'm, but I'm from New York. He's from New York, but it's actually upstate. Like he's from like yeah, Rochester, yeah, like or Schenectady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, I'm from New York, but it's like, no, nah. Not the city. It's like a three-hour train ride State. to get there. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, I think he's just, he's just, I don't know, he's just chill, just chill dude. Yeah. Would you call him, like, an adaptable character? Because I feel like he has not been super thrown by anything, by any of the many different environments that your party is uh, tramped through. Um, I would say so. I think that's just, like, him as a character. And, like, mm-hmm. he, like, the, like, um, um, the goddess of Andra is uh, the goddess of change. So she is a very, uh, like, adaptable like like uh, one of her tenets is like you know um things will always change but it's your duty to make them change and for the better like change for the better like there's no way of stopping it it's going to happen but what can you do personally to make it either be a, a good view or you know something positive come out of it so i think he's just kind of a like he's just like roll the punches type of guy he 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 takes something and like he, he gets hit by it and he's like well don't let me take, take get me down see this in a positive light and spin it some way so you can change it for something better, you know? It's a very zen way of thinking about it. Okay, um, so we also got a couple of uh, interesting, intriguing glimpses into Valtime's character and his backstory this episode. Um, so Valtime's generally a little bit more soft-spoken, but you did have a conversation with Oriana this session, which I thought was uh, very revealing. Do you want to talk a little bit about like what you discussed and what that kind of like how that relates to who Baltaim is, is as a person? Um, I'm trying to remember what I said. I know, like, I know, <laughs> I know, I know what you're, what, what, like, what, what this is based off of, uh, of the part. Uh, I, I assume this is based off of him telling her, um, if he had the chance to do something, achieve his goal, just take it. Like, doesn't matter what what it is the consequences be damned later you'll deal with that um but i think that's just i think that is a little bit yeah that is revealing into his more of his insight of how he views the world um i think um his personal quest to him um that is something that he is um immovable on i feel uh he mm-hmm. um it doesn't matter the journey to get there, it just matters the destination that you get to there. I think that's kind of his, um, the way he looks at things. Uh, the journey is nice, and it's nice to have the journey. Um, but if you're, but you need to find, you need to, um, you need to be making that journey towards your destination. Interesting. Yeah. So during the conversation, it sounded like Ball perhaps knows a thing or two about making deals um <laughs> I mean, he's, he's a warlock that's kind I mean, of like yeah, day yeah. one 
Day one. Um, That's the warlock yeah. orientation. So you want to sell your soul. Or other things, who knows? Um, awesome. Yeah, so in the advice, like, in the I didn't really give you that much context. Um, but kind of, I guess, jumping off the last point, does he really believe that there's no limit to like what you can give up in order to achieve your goals or is it a little bit more tempered than that or without going into too many spoilers about right, right. your backstory which we're going to find out eventually um yeah like what's his viewpoint here um i think i think this uh i, I believe i think i asked her too like if this is this like goal like like something you like have to get or something like that he like asked that or mm -hmm. something like that um and i think we, and we all know i mean he's looking for his sister and so like that's that's his goal um, and his his viewpoint, if it is comparable or greater than what my goal is, that because I, I don't know because we didn't talk about like I, I wasn't gonna ask her like what what are you like what's what's wrong what's going on, um, but if it like you know if I if you sense that it's comparable to what you believe that I'm going to, um, I'm telling you I would give up all all of who I am to achieve this goal, if it is greater or comparable that's what I would do is give up all, no matter what the consequences is, that's what I would do to achieve that goal. Um, and I, 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 I think he, I think he thinks that he would do about anything to achieve his goal. I think um, uh, he is, um, he is one to known to make deals. Uh, he is a, um, not afraid of deals. He's just, he knows, uh, but once he makes a deal, he usually wants to commit onto this is what's been done, or this is what I said has been done, or said I want to be done. I'm going to my best uphold it unless unable to. So uh, the deals that we make, um, if I can't uh, follow through on them, then it kind of it kind of hits personally. I feel for him. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. Bolton's got some depth, I think. And I'm very excited to see what Serenity's got planned for him. And yeah, how. he was very in character though. Like if you've, if you like, if you pay attention to like all of yeah, the things yeah. that he's done over the course of the campaign, like he's constantly like anything that has moved them forward. He's always been the first one to be like, let's, let's go in this direction. And that's often the party that's had to like temper him back and be like, right. whoa, whoa, whoa. Yes, Hang that's a that. direct. That's a direction, right. <laughs> but it's not necessarily the direction we want to go. Like if you remember, like there was a time in uh, in uh, um, Zarithamar where they could have just stormed the the hideout of of that right. group, and uh, and he was like, yeah, let's just go in, guns blazing, like let's just fight them. Um, and the rest of the group was like, whoa, our friends are in there. We're not sure what we're running into. <laughs> Shit could go down. People could die. Um, and, and he was like, consequences be damned. Same with like what happened with Bane. Like he was one of the strong voices that was just like, yeah, let's do this. Let's go. Like mm -hmm. off we go. Um, because he wants things to happen quickly because he's trying to get, you know, he's trying to get through this to get to where he needs to go. And I think, um, I think that's even like the, the, the deal that he made with his sword. Um, it was like, I will give you this and I will help you. But by the way, you go against what's being asked of you here, you're going to pay for it heartily. Mm -hmm. And so now he's, he's got to make good on the promises that he's made. So I think it, it's very in character for him. It was just uh, an interesting dichotomy between 
uh, his personality and how he chooses to do things and someone like um, Peregrine, who's very much... Oh, like... yeah. I love that. <clears throat> Can we talk about that for just like a second? I love yeah. that. Uh, before, we, before we get to that, I want to say one thing about what we were just talking about. The thing with mm-hmm. Baltame that makes him come off as not being so incredibly impulsive is the drawl because so we go in there and then we kill all those people and then we go have some shawarma it all sounds like so much slower and smoother because of the accent but no really without the accent yes yes let's fucking go he's like a coked up nightmare basically i think he's also very like he is a very chill like he's saying like yeah let's go do this but he's not saying it in a like we he was he's not dobby about it yeah yeah he's not like we're gonna go do this now like you know he's he's very much like yeah i think we should do this like if the rest of the group doesn't want to but like really this is how we should do it right like this is how we're gonna do it he's very Mm -hmm. much like zen and mellow in how he's saying it but he's very focused on his viewpoint like he doesn't he's he's very like he's not he's he's Kind of immovable on a lot of stuff but then he'll go with the flow of the group right. he doesn't necessarily his viewpoint doesn't shift ever i don't think like he's never said something in one direction and then changed that and said no you're all right but he'll he will he will kind of like go with the majority of the vote kind of thing so while yeah, he, he is- still believes oh we should have just attacked them if the group doesn't want to do that, he's not going to force them into a decision like that. But I, I think, uh, I think, yeah, it, it's very much like his personality is like, here's what we should do, and, and I'd like it. And if the group is very stagnant, he'll just move forward and say, yeah, like, no, like I'm not going to wait for Michael. you guys. Like, yeah. we're getting, you know, we're not getting any younger here. He'll he'll take the information he gets and make a very immediate decision. And if that is the decision he's come to, that's the decision he's come to. Uh, there's other things that can like, oh, like if you like make sense to him, he's like, oh, that's like, this is why this is a bad day. He's like, oh yeah, that's good. That, that's right. And he'll like change, I guess, in that sort of sense. But like, if he's like, well, no one's saying anything. We got like this option presented to us. Well, this is the decision I made through in my like thought process of thinking it. So this is what we're gonna, like, this is not the I'm wisest gonna character. But no, no, he's not. That's, at, that's, that's, that's shown. <laughs> Yeah. He's fun though. He is laid back and secretly ruthless, and yeah. I do love it. What do you want to talk about with Perry? Oh, just the, the juxtaposition of like me and Perry, of like mm-hmm. how like how mm. we come at things, and like the like back to back conversation with Ori. Just like I love that because like it's I feel like um I think both after before Dobby, I feel like uh, Quinn and then probably Perry the two people. Uh, team gets along the best with or under like you know communicates with the best with and quinn is very closer to Baltaim in some senses and perry is very opposite of uh Baltaim in some senses but like i feel like they have never like they've never like really butted heads unless mm-hmm. like there was something wrong like something internally messing with them or you know uh, perry's death of her clan or you know her sister clan and quinn and his situation there's never been like a a butting of heads between those like him and those people. I think that's very interesting. Just like how, even though like very vastly different uh, that they are, they can be like understanding of each other. It's also just hard to yell at Baltane because it's like screaming <laughs> at a fortune cookie, you know? Like there's this weird concise wisdom right here and it's delivered in just a completely unassuming package. <laughs> it's like, I just, I can't, I just, like you like, try it, say, but then it's like I want to yell at you. Why like, am I doing this now? Damn it, I uh, forgot. You know. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I thought it was very interesting because I don't think either. Again, like this game is very much the idea of like you choose a path, and that path is not necessarily the 
wrong one. It is right. just a path that you're choosing to get <laughs> somewhere. And and I really liked seeing that there are two vastly different characters that would achieve their goal in a different way. And that's what makes them who they are. And then you've got Oriana kind of in the middle, still trying to figure out who she is and like what she would choose. Would she do, would she, would she fully go the Baltaim route? Would she go, would she be as, you know, as calm and as, collected as Perry and and be able to wait or does she find this like kind of in between or like it's kind of like where on the scale does she fit as a person and I think she's still figuring that out um and it was very much very interesting to see these two people that are basically on opposite ends of the spectrum giving her advice and she kind of has to decide like who ultimately am I and and what's what's the decision that I want to make that moves me forward in my life yeah, she got advice from three people last session and got wildly different pieces of advice from all of them. It was really fun, actually, to watch that. Very good character moments all around. Um, we're going to move on to talking a little bit about Quinn now. Um, Who's that guy? So... I know things about that. <laughs> really? I was going to ask Renny about it. Um, she knows so... more than I do, probably. <laughs> yeah, so Chad, um, we've talked about Quinn's existential crisis and ongoing journey of self-discovery. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we've talked about like the big theological questions before with you. But I want to touch a little bit on the little things, um, mm. because we saw during this episode Quinn practicing his meditation. Um, making like a concentrated effort to talk to and be nice to his friends. Um, so I kind of just wanted to talk about that, like the way Quinn is altering his behavior in his attempt to change who he is, essentially, or not change exactly who he is, but be a better no, person you're, himself. No, you're, you're on it for the first one, basically, because okay. the, they're kind of the same thing, like changing who he is and being the better version of who he is. It is still a form of change. Like you have, if you're trying to be the best version of who you are, that is admitting that who you currently are is not that and change is required to get to the end goal of best version of, mm-hmm. you know, it's like going through the good place a thousand, thousand times you eventually do get to be the best version of who you are, but you know, not until you change a lot <laughs> over many <laughs> Jeremy Jeremy's. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, talk to me about the little things that Quinn is doing. I mean, he's basically just trying to make what change he can in the, you know, in, in the, time and space that he has to him and the smallest things that he can change are just the things that were pointed out about how you know you never call your deity unless you want something you're a dick to your friends and they've been doing nothing but try to help you so he's trying to alter those specific bits because everything else as far as like him being stupidly impulsive about stuff that's not really something you can work on without getting external stimuli that make you want to do something stupid and impulsive and then just saying no i'm not doing that this time not this time maybe next time but not right now the rest of it though is like that's what he can do with the time he has right now mm-hmm. so that's what he that's what he's trying to do at the moment very interesting to see him just, I don't know, like consciously trying to alter his behavior. It's not something 
you see people in general, and I'm going to say that in real life, nothing you see people in general do that often to be self-aware like that. Mm-hmm. Cool. It's a cool character moment. We had, as I said, a lot of cool character moments. Um, awesome. So you had sort of the same discussion with Oriad that Baltaim did mm-hmm. and gave her essentially opposite advice. Um, so I'd like your perspective on that sort of like from in the same way that I asked Khalil, how does, how did, um, who Quinn is essentially his experiences and his internal morality and way that he views the world, how did all of that coalesce to make you give Oriana that advice in particular? Obviously it was a very personal, you went at it from a pretty personal um, perspective. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was basically just coming from a place of he literally like, five minutes ago went through the same sort of situation where a being that is far wiser and more powerful than he is gave him shit for doing stuff dumb and doing things the wrong way or you know something similar to that from what was done with oriana and he had to stop and just examine like this is these are true statements that are being said about me so what does that really mean about me also the fact that he was offered up basically everything he wanted in one weirdly convenient package and he had to decide does he want to just take it and run or does he want to you know do it the way he was trying to and does he want to earn it sort of thing so he just was in a place where he is actively considering the same issues as this so with her whole thing of you know what am you know what what have i you know what have i got to lose by taking this or you know this it seems to be given to me for you know for nothing just for the asking and just the point i was making about how yeah it doesn't really seem to have a cost but nothing is free you know everything will cost you something you just may not know what it is and in the case of taking the easy way to get everything you want immediately it costs the potential of what you would get out of getting there the you know the long way like what would the journey to get to that point give you would you know what kind of perspective would you have what kind of change would occur on you as a person just by taking the trip instead of no i just want this thing i want it right now it's like you know with the jedi and the sith the dark side is supposed to be quicker easier more seductive because you're using anger and hatred and strong emotions to literally just force your way through whatever is in front of you and beat the world down with a hammer until it submits as opposed to finding a way to fit into the flow of things and be at one with the universe essentially. So it's just the dichotomy of the two choices of do you want to basically beat the world into submission or do you want to work with it to get what you want? And that's what he is trying to figure out. Interesting. Everyone's kind of trying to find their zen. Um, okay, so do do do. Do you want to give us extra time to talk about Tosh today? Um, Serenity, could you tell us a little bit about? You weren't on last episode, were you? You definitely weren't. It's been so long. Um, could you tell us a little bit about designing the mountain and the hunt? Because this was, I think, something a little bit akin to a dungeon crawl, except it was out in the open and also nothing like a dungeon crawl. It was a mountain. Uh, it's a mountain crawl. Yeah, it seems like half the battle was kind of just finding things to fight. 
yeah, I mean, it wasn't even finding things to to fight, really. It was, mm-hmm. um, so I, I, I actually have the jungle path mapped out too, because I wasn't sure which, what, which one that they were going to do. And it's not like mapped out in the sense of like, I knew the past, like I was making that up as we went, went along, but I had like the general things of like, okay, what are the beasts that, that they could potentially look for, um, what are some like mountain hazards that are going to be there? And if things go poorly, what are some of the denizens of the actual mountain that they could run into and that could potentially give them trouble? Um, and so, uh, I basically just made it as a, it wasn't really a dungeon crawl in the sense of like how I normally do dungeon crawls, but it was most, it was supposed to be like, they're going to have a skill challenge to find these creatures and, um, various things will happen based on those skill challenges and based on how well they do. Um, and, uh, and the first one, uh, they had done okay, uh, until they got to like that certain point and they decided to stick around, uh, for, for those creatures. Like had they have gone in a different direction, they might not have had that encounter with the Etten. Um, but they ended up sticking around and trying to like ambush them and just didn't roll a really great stealth. So it ended up being like that battle. But the rest of their go-round, um, they generally did pretty well on their checks, and so they actually avoided uh, like two two potential encounters that I had um, set up. Uh, the giant one was not meant to be an encounter. Like I was hoping that they would just mm-hmm. like not go into that, and they were really good about it, like having tongues prepared and just generally like speaking with them and saying like, okay, like we'll back off. Um, it was like the smart way to do it. And I was like, okay, thank God. Uh, they didn't like charge in. Um, and that, that feels like party. That feels like party, <laughs> a little bit of party growth as well. Um, but uh, that was actually not meant to be like one of the encounters, but there were other ones that I had set up. Uh, the rock slide was just like a general thing that I threw in there mm-hmm. uh, for, for fun. And uh, the rock the rock nest was also something that would happen based on how well they did with their checks and, uh, and stuff like that. And so, yeah, it was just, it was just kind of like on the fly, like deciding, okay, where are they going? They had prepared really well, like with locate plants and animals and stuff like that and had like a good idea. The one thing I wasn't like, like they had to be realistic about how they were hunting creatures. And so like that initial one where they were like, well, we'll just like levitate one and like, figure out how to like catch the others i was like no if you've ever actually gone hunting or seen like actual people go hunting like i've watched like safari videos where they like you know like they 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 do like roundups of of animals and stuff like that when they're trying to like herd them away from like dangerous predators and things like that like you understand animal movements like you're not just gonna be able to like randomly levitate one while like not letting the rest of the herd know what's going on and when they tried to initially stealth up and they screwed up the stealth, like I was like, no, the rest of them are gone, but you got one. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I, I uh, they definitely had to be smart about it, but the whole other point of this kind of like side adventure was to give Peregrine the opportunity to get more wild shapes. Like mm-hmm. I was like, you know, each character kind of needs to grow and there has to be opportunities for each character character to kind of shine you know Quinn's had his moments in the last like few episodes um this was uh this was like Perry's you know like this was her bread and butter so to speak like yeah the mountains aren't her area of expertise but the wilds are and so um it gave her a chance to kind of grow as as a character and really show that she has leadership skills it's just she most of the time they're in situations that 
that's not her area of expertise. And so she lets someone else take the lead. But here she was very like, this is my thing. Like, listen to me. I know what I'm doing. And I think that show that that showed. So. Yay. Okay. Um, let us now move on and talk about Tasha's. Yay. Yay. Hey. Okay. Yeah, we're all very excited. Um I think yeah, we've all I know we've all read through it or at least visual skimmed aid. and yeah, <laughs> visual aid. Cool beans. Um so first off, can you I get just nothing ask out of that podcast? Oh yeah, for podcast people. Sorry, podcast people, you can Google what it. It was the cover like. of Tasha's. It was the cover of Tasha's, but we couldn't really see it because there's too much glare off the screen. So you didn't really miss you didn't really miss anything. It anyway. is super shiny. That's one of the key features of the book. Shininess. Shiny. Shininess. Cool beans. Okay, so apart from the shininess, can I get your guys' first impressions of Tasha's? I enjoy it very much. I love all the different options that are in there for you know ways to do different character classes and just character creation alone it makes things a lot more fun to try and mess with yeah it's uh it's um it's neat it's cool i like it um i don't really have any like major gripes about it like other than like like items and stuff like that but like um, yeah yeah i um don't you want to go into sorry Zarni, don't you want to go into deep detail about all the items and your opinions on them hmm I mean, we can. I mean, we deep details. Those are books. Three hour, three <laughs> yeah. hour, three hour discussion on Tasha's. Yeah. Let's just go one by one from the top of the list, yeah. and you tell us what you like about it, what yeah. you don't like about it, yeah, and Khalil's why. Khalil's got them all memorized, man. This is the item yeah. review. Actually. We can just well, leave. <laughs> this is the guy that has like the 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 memory like of a sieve. Like honestly, hey. Like, hey. when we played together, <laughs> I'd be like, like hey. it'd be two seconds later, and he he wouldn't remember like okay, a person's but name. But that's but that's short term. Long term, my memory is pretty good. Like I was like, I remember like pretty much like a good about of like long term, but like short term, don't don't ask me about short term. Yeah. Short term, you're the guy from Memento. Like who? Huh? <laughs> but yeah, the the books. Um, I I do like the new character creation options. Uh, a lot of the subclasses are uh are interesting. Some of them still, in my opinion, not very well balanced. Um. So that that was interesting. Like they literally didn't change anything from the UA, and I was like, okay, sure, that's what you're gonna do, Wizards of the Coast. There's gonna be some refinement happening. Uh, and then the, the the new class like optional options, a lot of them for me are like super broken, so I wouldn't allow them. But um, but hey, you, I mean, I I think it's great for people who want to just like spice up the game and DMs who are comfortable um, with. With doing all that stuff i think i think it makes it a lot more fun and it provides a lot more options for people who don't already homebrew a lot of stuff mm -hmm. like who need some like more guidelines around like how to allow things and and what to allow so I, I think that's great i think the one thing that was a bit like lacking for me was like the dm advice that was given in there it was just like why did you bother it's it's so common sense i was it's i was just like okay like like uh, the one there was like one it was like for player and DMs it was like um, uh, um, giving flavor to your spells it's like don't people do that anyways like if you want to make your fireball look like a duck when it hits someone it doesn't change the spell anyways like sure it can be exploding duck like I, I just ball. yeah it was just like some of the the advice was weird and like the session zero stuff and like the like the table rules and stuff like that I don't know. It just it just felt like they spent a bunch of pages on stuff that 
they probably could have spent somewhere else. But oh yeah, the first, the intro intro productory could have yeah could have spent took it out. Yeah. Wasn't really but otherwise, I, most of it was great. Awesome. Um, so, were there any new rules or mechanics in particular that you found very exciting or inspiring? I mean, most of what I was focusing on when I was looking over was just the different character creation options, like the yeah. idea of being able to completely tool everything from the ground up. I like not the, have to be bound to like race or anything with whatever you were yeah, trying to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think uh, what was it? The uh, I liked the sidekicks. That was pretty interesting. Oh uh, yeah. Um, they like like the sidekicks and how they grow and stuff. Um, and I like the um. Um, cause this was like always been like kind of a thing as a, like a DM anyway, though, like, uh, like a player thing, like changing class subclasses and stuff like that. Like, uh, there's like, there's a section there about changing subclasses and how you can, um, how you can work with that. Um, like either there's like one, one is like, um, uh, uh at, the, at the next level or the level you would be at that subclass, you can change it during talk to your DM and change it. Um, you can train either, either to train to, uh, like if it makes sense to train that subclass, like for like a wizard, like necessarily like if you're a, a, a first level wizard, you're not like you've studied for a while, but you've been studying probably for like a, a general magics. Like you just because you're like a specialist in this doesn't mean like in that short time you've become a mm-hmm. specialist in this. You most likely probably become a specialist in something else and you've trained for it. You know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. like a, you could tra- it's like X number of days or weeks to the level. Like that was interesting, and then the, the Matt Mercer like sudden changes of things that happen in the story narratively. The uh, you could make a decision to talk to your player and like you know, hey, you suddenly become this subclass because like now you're not a fiend warlock anymore. You've made a deal with the uh, uh, a unicorn and got rid of the fiend, and now you're a patron of the unicorn. Now you're a celestial warlock. Like that that was interesting. I like that because uh, I feel like that was always kind of around anyway. Like people kind of did that mm-hmm. anyway. But like this is actually give like like a structure to how you can do it yeah i liked the um i can't remember what it was called but it was like the the supernatural environment oh yeah, yeah. uh thing that was that was the, the one dm storms and such yeah that was the one dm thing where i was like oh this is super useful like i can probably use this somewhere like i haven't really thought about this in uh in a way that like this is done and there was a, a a, a few really really good options there um and so that to me was like an exciting thing that potentially i am i might try at some point and see how that works but um that was the big one uh for for me i think um i i, I liked the idea of like the group patron but oh, i feel yeah. like that's like i feel like that's more an uh, npc thing like no, no, it's it's more like a thing that happens naturally in your game where like for instance, right now in in the current game on Roll for Damage, it's like they're now becoming a part of the um the Desert Rose, which would technically be like a group patron as they oh, are now yeah. a part of this organization and mm-hmm. have been tasked to do quests for them and who knows what that will spawn later on and i feel like a lot of dms do that anyways so again it wasn't like mind-blowingly oh wow but i did like the that or they gave quite a few different options of what those things could be that you could potentially use elsewhere in your game like you don't necessarily like a group patron doesn't have to stick with the group for an entire campaign it can be like well you're in the city 
this is potentially something you could use. But if you move on somewhere else, well, yeah, maybe you become friends with a lich and do a whole bunch of quests <laughs> for him. Or maybe you, you know, uh, talk to a thieves guild somewhere and, and and get inducted into, you know, their fold and become friends with them or whatever. So um, it was cool having, like, options. Yeah, it's something that they are, like, that already naturally occurred in DD, but it's like they just put words to it. Exactly. Like, yeah. oh. I feel a lot yeah. of those like guidelines of like here's yeah. to really help those people who have a harder yeah. time like envisioning right. this stuff from homebrew. Yeah, that's what most of it is, is just it's giving a framework for things that already happen, just saying, hey, here's the thing that people have been doing for, I don't know, ever. Try it out for yourself, maybe. Right. And it, it's handy because you because you know, someone like me, whenever I'm running stuff, I will essentially just strip something down to its bones like a house and then rebuild it in my own image and it's nice to have the bones of something to work off of like oh i see that has been happening what can i do to screw with that i know and then yeah i think it was mostly useful for like more beginner dms who don't right. have the so like this is like an idea a rough idea of like yeah. this is like this yeah. could be one of the ways and like oh i like that maybe you can change that in a different way that's most of yeah yeah, they pre-strip the bones for you. Yeah. It's handy. Yeah, it makes they've deboned the chicken. <laughs> deboned the chicken. Makes some nice stock. Okay, was there anything that you guys uh, did not care for particularly? I know Sereni was just talking about how you think some of the subclasses are still unbalanced. Yep. Talk um, about that. The only thing I didn't like, and I the only thing I've banned in my game is uh, the blue dream. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, the veil of the blue dream oh you don't so, want your campaign broken <laughs> no yeah that's, like i was like i was like guys everything is fine i'm fine with everything like i i, I want to see how it fits and everything um and if it's you know like i can i can like being characterly mechanically broken i can like just make things harder or more challenging like but a spell that's literally like well you can just if i if i accidentally just introduce like you know if i not accidentally like if i plan to introduce a person a person from a different uh realm like you know then and then now they have the spell they're just like well we want to fucking take this guy's shit and go to his realm now like it's like well it's kind of like it's it gets sloppy and i'm just like i don't want to like have to like intentionally be like oh fuck i brought someone from fucking wildmount by accident and now they're fucking trying to go to exandria you know, I'm just like, uh, I, I just, that spell is like, ah, I'm, I'm good on that spell. Everything else we, we can, we will, I'm fine with, but that spell is just kind of like, and it's, it's like, it's seventh, it's seventh level too. It's like, not even like it's that high up. It's like, yeah, you can get that spell. And like, I was talking about someone like, you can get that spell because it's like a bard, wizard, sorcerer spell. You can get yep. that spell, get Ma Mordekainen's um, Magnificent Mansion. So you can go into your mansion then use that spell and you're like, there's no like drawbacks to the spell. Cause like the one drawback is like, you have to stay there for like a, a long pain. Your body stays, uh, your, your, you actually project your body for like a, like, like an hour or something like that. And then your, your, then you, then your body transports afterwards. Uh, so I mean, you can just kind of like set up, like, like set up more kind of mansion and then go, then, then go. So there's no like really drawbacks. It's kind of like, this is just like a, a derailing of the game. Like the setting, the campaign mm -hmm. setting. So it's like, ah, I'm good on that. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah, that's that was the only thing that I would not really be too big a fan of just because of the idea of, like he was saying, 
all of a sudden being able to say, you know what? I don't like the world you've built. Right. I want to go to Ravnica. Go yeah, buy that book, one. you fucking chump. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I, uh, I actually don't have a problem with that. I, I think that if, first of all, like seventh level spells, you're level 13, 14 in order yeah. to do it. So you're getting 13, close 13. to the end of a campaign anyways. Like you're, you're getting up to like more epic levels. If a group decides to like screw themselves basically and go to another world, do it. You go to the next world, you come out there, you essentially have nothing to do. You figure your way around. Your money may not be worth anything. You may just be in the middle of nowhere. Um, I, I think it's a group choice. At that point, you may decide that to do like an epilogue with the characters being done. But like that's a, uh, an ultimate choice because if they leave their current world and whatever is going on in their world, that world still keeps spinning. Like that that the time doesn't just stop for that world. So if you decided to go, it's like okay. And then if you decide 20 days later to come back and the apocalypse has occurred because you weren't there to help do anything and you'd left all the allies that you'd promised to help or whatever and taken a bunch of really powerful items with you. That's like, I like that kind of stuff. Cause to me, that's that, that paints consequences on, on the group and what they choose to do. Maybe they don't care about that world. Maybe they're like, okay, like we don't want to have anything to do with it. Um, but I, I don't really have a problem with that. I just think like, you're at such a late level in the campaign at that point to have that kind of spell. And the entire group has to agree with it. Like if the bard is just like, okay, I'm going to use a spell. It doesn't just auto work on the entire group. So if they yeah. do it, it's like, okay, your character's gone. Bye. Um, <laughs> I guess you make a new one because the rest of the group is still wants to continue, you know, like dealing with whatever problems in the world that they, they currently have. So I think it's an ultimate group decision and I don't really have a problem with that. I do have a problem with like, oh man, um, there are a bunch. Um, I don't agree with like the bardic versatility. Uh, to just be able to swap out every four levels what expertise you want based on where you are in the campaign, like that to me doesn't make sense. Like the whole reason you have expertise is based on how you've built your character. Your character has expertise because they've trained so much in something that they are very, very good at it. To just be like, well, today I'm great at performance, but tomorrow I'm great at acrobatics. And then the next day, you know, like uh, two weeks down the line, I'm amazing at nature. I don't know. Like to me that, that doesn't make any sense. Like it just takes away from the whole idea of, um, of, of that, like what expertise kind of is for me. Same with like the deft explorer for the ranger. I think it breaks the ranger. They just get free, can never be exhausted. They just have to short rest. And it's like, yep, not exhausted anymore. I'm like, okay. So basically you can't use the exhaustion mechanic with them like ever. They get expertise for no reason. Uh, they get a swimming and climbing speed just randomly at like another level. I'm just like, uh, you're kind of just giving this character out. Like I get that the ranger was not the greatest, but they've made some subclasses that make pretty powerful rangers. Um, yeah, some of the some of those were, were too much for me. So I, I I'm I'm not a big big fan. I could keep going. There's like a lot of things that I disagree with, but those were some of the major ones. Cool beans. Actually, I think that would probably be a good transition into subclasses. Um, 
since one of the big things that Tasha's did was really expand on subclasses and make some of the UA subclasses canon, I guess is the word. Yeah. Um, cool view. So and yeah, talk about official. Yes, official. Talk about the subclasses you liked, didn't like, etc. I really want to play a Psy Warrior because I would want to make a Jedi. I'm putting that out there in the world because you can mm -hmm. basically make a Jedi. You get you give a Psy Warrior a Sun Sword and you've got Obi-Wan Kenobi. It would be freaking cool. But yeah, that's one that just jumps out as I like the idea of this. So many I, mean, I love Star Wars so much. Like I, like the Phantom Rogue, I thought was like super really, yeah, yeah. really cool. Oh yeah, I actually really like it. Um, the the uh, Order of Scribe Wizard was pretty neat. Like yeah. you're like a super book nerd, but like the fact that you can uh, like create scrolls, um, like just in, indefinitely was really really cool to me. It like mm -hmm. it, it whole, has a whole different utility for a wizard. Um, the genie warlock is kind of interesting. Uh, oh, I like yeah, the I idea the of like making a wish with with your patron. Um, uh, I don't know what else there there's there's like a few, but those are like the ones like off the top of my head that are like oh I really like Just also look there's like the clockwork sorcerer which I thought oh, was yeah. actually clockwork soul yeah really really interesting. Um, that was like an interesting take on like a more kind of like steampunk-esque kind of sorcerer um so yeah that, that was neat to me yeah that was really neat um, the one thing i enjoy is that as far as you know subclasses that tasha's did do is with one of the og subclasses beastmaster they made the ranger's beast companion not worthless after level six no yeah yeah they like I, that's I mean... Yeah. That is really most of what was needed to be done to fix Ranger is I have cool. this, I've got this tiger that follows me around like, well, they're going to have a tiger's hit points forever. <laughs> and even though you are getting to be like, I don't know, almost into the hundred range, depending on how well you roll at a certain level, like that tiger is going to be pretty dang useless after a fashion. Like we're going to go fight the Lish. Come, come on Hobbs. And then it's disintegrated and dead Aww. forever. Yeah. Um, I but mean, yeah, I, no, there's more than you've done the ranger. But that was like a big thing is Beastmaster yeah, yeah, yeah. after level six is just why. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed most of the subclasses. I don't think I have mm -hmm. had uh, any. I think there's not one I was like, oh, I don't like this. Uh, maybe. No, I don't think. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, I really like the armor. This one yeah. Man. Heck yeah. Um, yeah. Who doesn't want to be Iron Man? Yeah, I just want to be Iron Man. That was the Artificer, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, Artificer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they've made Artificer actually like super official now and like. Yeah. Yes. Um, I I really enjoy um, um, the Genie Warlock Patron. Um, that's a very interesting one. Um, all the the Creation Bard. I really mm -hmm. enjoy. Like, that, that yeah, one. the the um Eloquence Bard was nuts to me. I was like, this yeah. is so good. If you've got like a talker in your yeah. party. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I actually really like that bard and want to yeah. want to try it at some point. And I think that like I, I'm, I'm I want to see I'm, I'm interested interested to see like the statistics on like the like how perform things that work because there's some classes where I'm like this could outdo like some of the tried and true subclasses that usually take over in a, a campaign. Um, 
Um, I'm really, I'm interested in Druid and Cleric for the first time ever with the new. <laughs> yeah, the Cleric domains like Order and Twilight are yeah. super sick. Yeah, I uh, I really like the Twilight. I have a few ideas for like a Twilight Cleric now, like a, a Druid, uh, like a Stars Druid. Um, yeah, but yeah, I I like I like the, the subclasses. I think I'm like if I had like like the ones I'm like oh they're interesting, but like I'm not. Super, Barb like, was. Yeah, the fighter ones, like the fighter and the barb ones, like, uh, like the like the not the like fighter, but I'm saying like the like the melee ones. I'm like, mm-hmm. eh, okay, like the orders. Rune Knight seemed pretty cool. I like. Rune Knight is. I'm, like, me- I'm talking about the melee classes, though. I'm saying not not the fighter in general. I'm saying yeah, like yeah, the yeah. melee classes subclass. I'm like, eh, okay, like Rune Knight is yeah, it's interesting. I like Rune Knight. It's like well, Rune Knight and Soul Knight. Uh, they add a lot of options and like flavorability to do with your character so i like those but like the uh, beast like the, path of the beast yeah beast, barbarian i was just barbarian. like all the wild soul i'm it's kind of interesting that's like, interesting yeah yeah it is yeah light on a barbarian i like to see that worked out um but the uh the the paladin i don't remember what it's called but the paladin uh orders i wasn't too yeah uh, and even from the um the uh theros uh book two i wasn't it was kind of like the paladin orders are kind of like eh. but yeah, i mean yeah. paladins are kind of really strong anyway so it's like yeah yeah how much help do they need? Yeah. Already so funny. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, so lots of interesting subclasses and Tasha's. Um, so what initially got a lot of buzz with the new rules is the revamping of race mechanics. Um, mm-hmm. So what do you think about the new rules when it comes to ability modifier, to racial ability modifiers? Yes, please. And, like, the implications of that. I love it, yeah. I don't think there are any implications. Like, there are any implications. I think, like... Every every race is balanced for a reason. If all you're doing is letting them put the plus two and the plus one in a different place, that's just allowing someone to play a class that they want to play with the right. race that they want to play it with. Um, mm-hmm. I don't like you're not breaking anything. It would be broken if they if you if you allowed like something more than that. Like if you if you moved racial abilities from a race like if you were like i'm gonna take the dwarf racial abilities and put it on a human plus the like the human like that would be unbalanced but i think if i want to make instead of like a dwarf fighter or a dwarf paladin um or whatever they get their bonuses to it's like con and strength or something like that i think i think Uh, like if you want to make a dwarf wizard or a dwarf whatever and 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 i guess it's it's probably uh more important to like a uh, point bias um, stat creation because if right. you roll well beforehand, even if you did, even if you were playing an off race with a, a class you wanted, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be too horrible if you rolled like right. an eighteen in a stat because then even if you're not getting the plus two, you're starting with an eighteen in a stat, right? right, right. Um, but if you're point buying, like every every stat matters, and so to try to make like you know a dwarven wizard is hard uh, because you're only going to start with like a fourteen or maybe fifteen in your in your int um and so i really really like the fact that now people can like i can play a goliath nerd yeah that's awesome you know yeah. and i think it'll, i think it'll it'll break a lot of the stereotypes that have happened where you always have the half orc barbarian or you know warrior or whatever or you always have the gnome meek wizard or you know druid or something like that like now mm-hmm. people can actively do whatever they want and have super fun with it so and uh it, it, it does two things i feel um because 
Now, because there's like there's always these like we've we've all heard like the stereotypes like a, a warlock tiefling, the half elf bard. There's like mm-hmm. there's like there's like races that you know do like if you even if you roll bad stats, you know I'm this race. I'm most likely gonna still do okay because I have mm-hmm. a plus two and like in beneficial stats and stuff like that. Yeah, elven so ranger. Like, yeah, or like, yeah, yeah, wood elf ranger and stuff like that. And like yeah, elven, some things are classics for a reason. Right, they're classics. Uh, but like it does, uh, and I th- I feel like. They were the five uh, E was where they were what they were trying to do um, before was just to make different like variants of races that like are different. So it's like oh, uh, like the tiefling like oh when they had the uh, tomb of foes the tiefling they like made like ten thousand tieflings and like they just switched around how they work. So it's like oh int int then this one's wisdom this one's dex and so you can like you can still be a tiefling and now you're like, well, I want to be a tiefling. I can be a, a wizard now because I have a plus two, a plus one intelligence. So there was, that's what they were trying to do was just like add all these elf variants and, and tiefling and like they just add like Asmar, Dor, like they just added, like just kept making variants. Mm-hmm. I think this probably means that we'll probably get less of those, like less of like the, the variants of things unless it's like a specific book where they're like talking about this type of race specifically. Uh, I think we'll get less of those now, and just because they, you can now you just interchange uh, the thing, because now it's only about the abilities that they have and the range mm-hmm. of features now. So I think that's that's a good thing. I like I like it, um, and I think it yeah I think it's a good thing. I think it'll mean less like opt like let, more options aren't always good because there's already there's a lot of race options already now. So it's like it would let not water down the less options. is more sometimes yeah, yeah. I agree sometimes also, yeah also now people I know like a lot of people have had hard time homebrewing a race without making it too overpowered for like comparative to the other races that other people have chosen. Now they gave an actual option for a race that's homebrewed that can take like a template and that you can use to basically give someone an option. So if someone's like, I want to make a half dragon, well, they don't, I believe a half dragon was a race in like 3.5 or something like that. Like they, there used to be like actual racial stats for that, but they never did that for five. Um, now you could be like, okay, you want to be a half dragon? No problem. I'll give you this, like, you know, as a beginner DM or someone who doesn't want to homebrew and is worried about balance, I'll give you, you can make it based off of this template. Here's what you get. I think it's very similar to human, like you get an extra feat and like you get right. something else. And, you get dark, and then plus two, dark your, vision and stuff like yeah, that. Plus yeah, plus your two, plus your one, and then yeah. and then that's it. And, and I think right. that that's also really, really great because it allows yeah. people to then be a, you know, a badger person if they want and mm-hmm. like and play that race and then still be balanced with the other people who choose the traditional elf or the tiefling mm-hmm. or whatever else yeah be a badger i mean you could definitely you could be a honey badger and not care at all there you go anthropomorphic honey badger not caring all over the fantasy worlds but Yay. i i love the options that are there because i mean i've made characters where i had to like i was boxed into well I rolled like crap here, so I have to take this yeah. race so I can use that plus to get out of the hole I dug myself into. Like, yeah. suppose that's why Quinn's a half elf because I rolled for garbage on one stat and I didn't want a seven, so I turned that into a nine with half elf charisma. Yeah. And like, this means you don't have to like if you're trying to either do really well at something or if you do just happen to have a garbage roll that you can't get rid of and you need to you want to try and mitigate that disaster. You don't have to just pick from, well, I can be one of these three things. I can, it's, it opens everything up. Like you just do whatever you want. Just don't break anything, you know? 
yeah. and it's a lot it's it's freeing creatively which is a lot of fun because yeah. because that's because uh, that's the same you say that because that's why um when i was making baltaim i wanted to be a asimar uh, specifically fallen because there there's like the the things that you get charisma in is like i've like you know like half like i i think I, we already knew like what we were playing i think at that point yeah your class no, I think we knew what like we were, uh, like our group. We knew what we were going, yeah, classes we were going, like, yeah, the races we were going this. So I knew. I think there was like already two half elves in there. I was like, I don't want to be a half elf and be like the uh, the third half. Elf yeah. Like we'd have, we would have had one and a half elves, man. Yeah, I know, great. but I'm saying like it's like I don't want to be like like there's a now there's a half elf click, and then I think Oriana was already a tiefling, and I was like, I don't want to be the like it would be like I guess, but like I don't want to be a tiefling either. I was, I was trying to figure like I'm trying to I was trying to get something in that in that charisma area that was like different so it's like and i don't i don't feel like most people play asimar especially fallen maybe i think they probably like normal asimar because of the wings and stuff but like mm-hmm. um, i mean flights fly speed is cool right it's cool but i'm saying like i was like trying to get something in that like that charisma realm that like was not like a half elf or a tiefling and I, I was like well asimar is interesting because i've not seen someone do it recently i feel like and we had no none of none of that that race in our group anyway so i thought that would be just like another dynamic so i, I like that so I like that you can now. I could have been like, I want to be an orc. Yeah. I mean, also, you still, no more you negative fucking mod to orcs. Like, oh yeah, yeah let's right? talk about that. That being oh gone, God. that's great. I want to be an orc, I'm... sorcerer or wizard yeah. or whatever the yeah. fuck I want to be. Like, that's awesome. You know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. where does it say an orc has to be stupid? That's just dumb. Right. Yeah, it is that too. Orcs. Yeah. It is. Yeah, I wanted to be an orc way back. Um, Sereni for Zoe, I wanted to be a full work, but I had to do half work because I didn't want negative mods. Negative mods, yeah. It's, and, yeah. And then also it's like, you have to play into like the blood where they're like, they get aggressive really easily. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, Why? okay, but what if you're born in like a city or something like that? What if your parents have like immigrated there and they're yeah, not violent culture. and you went to university and you're one of the smartest people in the academy? So that means you're gonna you're you're just naturally gonna be dumber than everyone else, and you're gonna have these impulsive urges to like bash things. That's kind of weird, right? Like you're a product of your environment. I feel more than anything else, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. cool beans. Okay. Um. So do we all feel like Tasha's has like improved the five um ecos the five E rule ecosystem more than mostly just a bunch of cool stuff? I mean. I feel like uh, I, don't don't get me wrong. I like it. I like mm-hmm. like ninety nine point nine percent of everything in there. Uh, or let's about that on the eighty after the items. Uh, so everything with blue veil. Yeah, <laughs> everything is including the size most items. Uh, but I think, everything. <laughs> I think uh, I feel like Xanthar's probably did a bigger had a bigger imprint so mm-hmm. far on like the rules and like the the ecosystem because I feel like. Xanthar has kind of changed a lot of things for a lot of like like downtime, like events, uh, uh, character classes. Uh, added some races that were you know not previously had. So I feel like Xanthar probably might have been like a bigger impact necessarily. But I feel like this is more like a quality of life tweaking that like made it mm-hmm. better for mm-hmm. like in conjunction with with it has has rounded out in a, as a whole. I feel like. Yeah, I agree because there's not a lot that's incredibly like groundbreaking here. Mm-hmm. 
aside from the character creation options. Right. And because that's basically just saying, okay, we've given you all these other tools with all these other races, all these other things. Now, just because that is also restricting in a way, take this idea to give yourself more to play with and make literally whatever thing you want. It's a fantasy world. You're not actually playing Baldur's Gate. You can go to Baldur's Gate as your badger person if you want to make your badger person. I feel like we need to trademark badger person. But anyway, but badger barbarian. Badgerarian. Badgerarian, yeah. I um I honestly think that this is more of like a uh an addendum. I think I, I feel like Tasha's is basically like five E and Wizards of the Coast acknowledging the problematic nature of the original creation of D D. Um and being like Yeah, yeah we need to update it, it for the times. Like we realize that there were like, you know, this was created by you know a white person who probably was not very well versed in like multiculturalism and like the understanding nature of you know our society as a whole and we're going to now fix the game to allow for the inclusion of everyone i I would say that this is this is their way of trying to be inclusive um and i i feel like they're not perfect and there's still work to be done um but i think that they've done a good job here to try and kind of like allow everyone to kind of feel like they can make something that showcases who they are or allows them to play the game how they want. So I don't feel like it's groundbreaking, but I feel like it's progress forward and an acknowledgement by Wizards of the Coast that like, hey, we realize mistakes were made and we're trying to be better about it. Yeah. Yeah, as far as... Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what it feels like, like. official errata, yeah. yeah. Yeah, as far as, like, inclusivity and representation, this is a good first step forward, definitely. Yep. That's not saying there are not many more steps that can be taken and should be and hopefully are in whatever other books they make, but this is, you know, the fact that this exists is showing that effort is being made. But I feel like they're good. doing that in a lot of their, like, their whole, their brand new Curse of Strahd module completely... Yes changed yeah, yeah, how yeah. the Vistani are portrayed and like all of like the background story and things like that so I think I think like again this is their way of doing this in a book that touches the stuff that's not module based that people can actually use to run their games so. nice okay um do we have any closing thoughts about Tasha's it's good uh wizards don't need this many items uh riot um, <laughs> just don't use them in your game dude just stop no no just 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 uh just don't copy and paste the same wizard book t- 12 times please i would like to yo i want i i i have not read through all the items but i i want to see because i've done this as a as an engineer where i will copy and paste like a, a sentence or a piece of code or something like that and i'll forget exactly. to change what I copied and pasted, I would love to read through all those items and see if they accidentally didn't change a word and they actually did just copy and paste it for each like book and they actually miss like changing the name of the book, like Book of Storms, but they, but it's actually the previous one, which was like the Book of Fire or something like that. And they're like, it says like <laughs> Book of Storms and it says the Book of Fire is yeah. actually meant to do this thing and they forgot to like change the name. I want to see if that if that's the case. That's I, haven't, I haven't read that through it, awesome. but, but I, it would be hilarious. Um, but yeah, no. 
uh, yeah, I think it's great. I think it's a good tool for newer DMs and newer players um, getting in. I think a lot of seasoned people have already been kind of homebrewing the rules for themselves to kind of make this a reality and to include people in their groups and stuff like that. So, uh, and make it fun for people. So um, I would say like, if you're newer to the ecosystem, like hopefully this brings new people in. Uh, but um, but yeah, I, th I think it's just like a good general new book to have for, for people getting into uh, the world of D&D. Awesome. Okay, and that's our show. Thank you guys for coming on. Thank you to everyone who's watching. Um, tune in next week on Tuesday for the next episode of this. Tune in on Friday for the next episode of that, which is Roll for Damage. Um, check out our store, check out our Twitter, check out our other videos on our YouTube and our Twitch. Um, come join the Discord if you haven't already. We're always funny in there uh, talking about Critical Role a lot. And random I made a stuff. new D and D was, memes channel. So. I was gonna say if you weren't gonna plug that, I was about to because if you like D and D memes and we who have doesn't? a channel for that now. Yeah, has that now. Compose memes, view memes, meme with us. Okay, um, yeah, stick around for links and resources. Thank you to Sunburn Lady Meows for doing our music and our uh, logo. Uh, and good night. Bye, guys. Have a good night, Love everyone. You. See you later.